This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. I want to start tonight, I make no apologies for this, 34 years ago today, this happened. Sonal, any guesses? <laughs> any guesses? What was that 34 years ago to this very day? Was it the the hand handball? The hand of God. That that the, the, was the same match, <laughs> but it was the other goal that he scored that yeah. day. That was Diego Armando Maradona scoring a goal that I th- I still think today, Rob, is seen as the greatest goal ever scored against your beloved England, mm. which is why I played it. I don't think it's the greatest goal ever scored, is it? It's seen as widely regarded. And we'll put it out there in 4 one But it is still like widely Messi, regarded. Messi copied it, didn't he? Against Hedafi. A, a tribute goal. Uh, it's unbelievable. It was the exact same goal. Okay, uh, describe, you, okay right. describe said goal okay, to me. Picks it up around the halfway line. Yeah. Beats a man as... Peter Reid. Kind of takes it and, and turns the, 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 the midfielder. It's Peter Reid. Um, and then he kind of dances towards the penalty area, thinking, weaving. He leaves a couple of defenders in his wake. And then he goes past the last man. It looks like he's overhit the ball, but he takes it round the goalkeeper and slides it at an acute angle. This is just, I, I don't know whether I'm getting this right, but you're, you're an acute yeah, angle job. Um, into the corner of the net. But it's more the fact that he waltzes. It, the, the visual impression, the optics of it, that's a fashionable word to use these days, <laughs> is that he beats the entire team. Mm. And Lionel Messi, I've got to show you, next time a song comes up, I'm going to show you the Maradona goal and the Messi goal. It's frightening. And Okay, forget the fact that one was scored in a World Cup quarterfinal and the other was in a La Liga game. Okay, <laughs> Tuffy. Because that will always mean that Maradona's is more important. But also, Maradona did it first. Oh, yeah, something to that, yeah, right? Original, and it's original. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, good point. Very good point, actually. Um, but it'd be interesting to see which you think is the better goal. I think Messi scored a few better ones than that, personally. Ooh, let's put it out there, though. Diego Armando. I mean, it depends on what you like in a goal. I mean, his left foot never touches different it, folks. Never touches it with his right foot. Just left, 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 left. And again, I was privileged enough to be in Diego's house on the palm a few years dinks back. Dinks it, doesn't he? Just dinks he it. Just, it's the little toe poke. Peter Shilton gets his angles wrong and he toe pokes at home. And bear in mind, I don't speak Spanish. Yeah. Diego's English isn't very good. I had a translator, but I asked him about that goal. Yeah. And he was fantastic because he spent 15 minutes regaling it from start oh. to finish. I still think the clip is up Do on YouTube. Do you think YouTube. he thinks that's his best goal? Yes. Yeah. Do you think that when it comes to a brace... And you talk sublime. Opposites, when, yeah. you t- when you talk sublime versus ridiculous, has there ever been a better example no. of a brace that combined the sublime with the ridiculous? Absolutely not. We are talking about the most infamous goal, with, I guess, kind of contrasted with the most famous goal, all in the same game. Could the it be argued that they're the two most famous goals of all time? Easily. Wow, that's a huge statement. In Easily. a World Cup quarter final. Easily. 
I think the only goal, there's a few things that I think, and again, 4001, it's not us, it's, it's about you guys as well. There's a few iconic moments that I think have, have stood the test of time. What about that 1970s Brazil goal? I was just about to say it. Ooh. Pele to Carlos Alberto, bang, bottom corner, 4-1, Brazil versus Italy. Oh yeah, the, the, he was just chugging down the right flank, wasn't just, he? Just as you say chugging, he was, he was buccaneering down that right-hand side, it's brilliant. Pele, 1970, the first World Cup in colour, Pele picks it up, he just rolls it in, into space, you don't see Carlos Alberto Sono, he's not in this TV screen, you're thinking, what, what on earth Pele rolling out there for? All of a sudden, this buccaneering, flying right back, appears from nowhere, outside of the right boot, just bends it in, crisply daisy cutter into the far corner, glorious goal that, that was iconic, I think of Gordon Banks's save from Pele as being again iconic, where the ball's behind him, Gordon Banks, legendary England and former Stoke goalkeeper, and he gets down, it's behind him, and he somehow the laws of gravity, I'm not quite sure how, he scoops it over the bar, that's iconic, absolutely Maradona those two goals what would you say would be an iconic contender in the past let's say decade in recent times because <sighs> you're going back in history many, to be honest I mean Mbappe's goal in the World Cup final no, that it's not remember. iconic ah. it's a decent five. strike from 25 yards out but it was a saveable shot last 10 years you're talking you, you have to spec- I mean you're, you're obviously you mean World Cups don't you I wasn't really thinking that. I just, just the way you're describing goals. iconic goals. Um, oh, Gareth Bale's final goal. R- Ronaldo's the, overhead kick against Juve. Ronaldo's overhead kick against Juve or Bale's goal in the final against Liverpool. Zinedine Zidane's, it's not in the last decade, but I always think his volley, how many times has that been replayed mm. against Bayer Leverkusen in 2001, was it? Champions League final at Hamden. So there are iconic goals, but Maradona's, I love that. You've kicked it off there, Rob. I think there are no goals scored in a same game as polarising as those two. The England often seem to be on the wrong end of these iconic moments. Ronaldinho's chip goal in the quarterfinal of the, 2000, of the 2002 World Watched Cup. Watched it today in actual And fight. then Sanjay's been in touch to say Zlatan, that overhead kick from about 35 yards oh. out that he scored against, again, England. England seemed to be on the wrong end of a lot of these. That 4 all in Sweden. The 4-4 game, was it not? Or did they lose 4-2? I think it was 4-4. The the one Zlatan, the height that that boy reaches to get that. Someone said Ronaldinho, Barca versus Real when they hammered them like 5-1, worth a watch. I always remember the Ronaldinho goal at the Bernabeu where he actually got a standing ovation. He gave Sergio Ramos that night an absolute torrid. Ramos was in it right back. The 5-1 at the Bernabeu, was Ronaldinho still, was he still around for that? I tell you what I also think is a pretty iconic goal. Messi's header, the second goal of the 2-0 win in 2009. Yeah, because it was Messi and it was a header. Something... Please. Come on. Please. The Van Persie, someone's saying the flying Dutchman Van Persie. Remember, opening of the 2014 World Mm, Cup when Netherlands smashed. Bergkamp 98 against Argentina oh, now we're talking we need to delve into the oh Sono Rapani yes that goal is the best commentary I've said it on previous guises of this show Dennis Bergkamp Dennis Bergkamp Dennis Bergkamp and it's basically a Dutchman going mad for just minutes. saying Dennis Bergkamp's name over and over again <laughs> Emmanuel from Abu Dhabi has been in touch to say Michael Essien versus Arsenal you know what as well Emmanuel I was, in, I was at Stamford Bridge that day it was an unbelievable goal. Arsenal were winning 1-0. I think Matthew Flamini, if memory serves me correct, had given Arsenal the lead. And Michael Essien scores a goal, the likes of which came out to him, just bobbled up. He hits it outside of the boot and it just went on for miles. Postage stamp, top corner. 
it was a heck of a goal. I know the one you're on about there, Emmanuel. Now, a lot of you have been getting in touch, sharing with us your favourite goals. An awful lot of people out there, Rob. Roberto Carlos, his iconic free yeah, kick. The banana. The banana. I mean, it was an unbelievable goal. Oh. And it was scored in one of my favourite little sub-tournaments. Oh, the Tournoi. The Tournoi, which I, I guess it would have been the precursor to the World Cup. 1998, Which France yeah. hosted. Yeah, Le Tournoi, Brazil... Ended up winning that, did they not? It's a good question. I think yeah. Brazil did win Le Tournoi. I think Carlos's goal might even have been scored in the final. Did England mistaken. not win it? No. I, I, it might be one of those quirks, you know, Rob. Oh, that's a, it's a good quiz question, if that is the case. But I, 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 I would definitely say, name me a better three years of both <laughs> foot club and international football than 95 to 98. You had Euro 96 in 1996, yeah. obviously. Then you had the World Cup two years later. You had Le Tournoir in there. And you had a great little three-year run of club football as well. Yeah, I think that's just taking you back to an age You know, where... Kevin Keegan and Newcastle, their <laughs> yeah. collapse in the Premier League. Yeah, didn't Juve win the Champions League? Juve won it in 90, yeah, 96. They won it. How just they were just golden days. <laughs> the good old days. They were the good old days. It's what they are. But that Roberto Carlos free kick against Fabian Barthez and the, the banana goal, Sonos, as Robbie's described it there. I'll never forget. And you can check this out on YouTube. Oh, and you need Sonos to just, I just watched it. You just watched it, did <laughs> yeah. you? Brilliant. And thoughts? I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. It is just unbelievable. over everybody's head and the goalkeeper is just standing there like he doesn't know what happened. Fabian has no clue. And if you watch it again closely, look at the ball boy behind the uh, billboard uh -huh. because it bends so much that the ball boy actually thinks he's about to be hit in the face. I'll never forget that. There is one particular piece of footage. The ball boy moves his head away because he thinks the ball's about to career into him where it just bends, clips off the post, one of the iconic free kicks. And when we talk iconic free kicks, I guess David Beckham against Greece as well. Ahead of the yeah, 2000. again, that was just—it's a pretty bog standard Beckham free kick. But that. just, but well, it was in—it was the moment. It was the 93rd minute. It was to send England to the 2002 World Cup, which of course they went on to well, win the quarterfinals in. Obviously, been getting in touch, getting beaten by sharing with us your favourite um, goals. An awful lot of people probably out there. Beckham's Rob, most famous Roberto goal. Carlos, oh, no, the halfway line, halfway line, free yeah. kick, made him. The banana, well, just, the banana. Kind of I mean, it was an unbelievable goal. That was David and it was Beckham. scored in one of my favourite little sub tournaments, hitting the death in which I guess it would have been that the precursor was to the World Cup, which France yeah, hosted. Of yeah. Man Le Tournoi, Brazil ended that up winning that, did they not? I think Brazil did win Le Tournoi. I think Carlos's goal might even have been scored in the final. Did Brazil Messaging in with your answers to your competition question, which is nice to see. We're going to be on the line in about five minutes' time. Good quiz question. Abelio, the, the tennis correspondent. There's so I, much to discuss I, I, I would in the world definitely of tennis. Say, Remiss of us not, though, Rob, very quickly, to touch on what we witnessed at Goodison Park last night. Everton against Liverpool. It was... The game yeah, to forget, really. Yeah, I watched it from start to finish. 0-0, no, no, it finished. And you had the World Cup Liverpool two years missing later. Mo Salah and just, in there. They just looked off the pace and a little bit. And you had a great As I recall, they had started to look well. a little yeah, bit I think that's just jaded to prior to you know, Kevin Keegan and Newcastle. <laughs> they collapsed no, you were in the Premier League. Didn't Juve win? They'd obviously They'd lost. Juve won it in 1986. They'd lost to Watford. Let's be forget. They were dumped out of the FA Cup as well. They were the good old I think it was a run of the year. But that's three from the last four against Fabian um, Barthez and, I think maybe and of, of the, the banana goal Sonos as Robbie's described it there so I'll never not, forget you can check this out on form. YouTube oh, no. Sonos just, um, I just watched it and, and you yeah, just watched they, it they, they, they kind of they say in horse racing they need I mean, the line it's, it's 
unbelievable. Yeah. It and, is uh, just unbelievable. over everybody's head, the and the goalkeeper is just standing there like he doesn't know what happened. Fabian has no clue. And if you watch it again closely, look at the ball boy behind the billboard because it bends so much that the ball boy actually thinks he's about to say beat Burnley. I'll never forget that. There is one particular piece of footage. The ball boy moves his head away because he thinks the ball. Liverpool then play. Who do they play on Wednesday? Crystal Palace. Roy Hodgson clips off the post. Going back to Anfield. He's full of beans after their win on the weekend. We talk about going free kicks. You see the Beckman ends. Grease steel. Smash and grab. One head of wins for Palace. Man City then go to Chelsea. It was in the moment. It was the 93rd minute. Man City are rolling now. Following a comfortable win over Burnley. 2-0. Which of course tails up slightly from Palace beating Liverpool. De Bruyne and Sterling. Exactly. 2-0. And it was probably Beckham's first goal. What are we doing? Oh no, the halfway line. The lead yeah, is, is suddenly that whittled just, all the way down to yeah, you're absolutely right. Stop, if you will. That was Liverpool's next league game. I guess that was his City, from Ooh, hitting the depths in 98. See what I'm going with that this. free yeah. kick was him. Final day of the season. Yeah. <laughs> The home, of course, of Man United. <laughs> Liverpool just need a point more. lost eight that on the bounce. And oh, it's nonsense. Never going to happen. But uh, England yeah, last night's game, I thought Everton were decent. Everton were a lot of you. The aggression and that's actually, answers you know, again, probably anyone thinking that Liverpool just sweep Everton aside, probably underestimating the work that Carlo Ancelotti has done in the world of Everton. It is bizarre. It was. Forget really. I watched it from start to finish. No point. It was compact. Liverpool missing Mo Salah. They, the they, they just looked off the pace a little bit. As, as the I recall, they had started to look a little bit jaded prior to Dominic the interruption. So over the piece, no, no, probably a fair result. Liverpool won. They obviously lost. They lost to Watford. Let's we forget the out of the FA Cup as well. So I think it was a run of lost three from their last four. Incidentally, um, and I think maybe four of, of six, I think it was. 11 when you wipe them out. Interestingly, enough, not they were well. in great form. And when we talk about no. oh, who needs sport, um, who, and, and yeah, they, they kind of, as they say in horse racing, they need the lights. Their biggest yeah. ever and, uh, audience. I think for that, the line is obviously not going to be a Is that a repost to the critics? A little, yeah, a little. Because come on, sport is what it is. It's a form of escapism. Stick with me for ten seconds. Yeah, come on then. Paint us a picture. Things in this world. Oh, I'll paint you a picture right now. Man City beat Burnley tonight. Five now. Problems in your what is to one side for another And a lot of people on UK. Five point five million viewers. Right. Liverpool then play. Who do they play on Wednesday? Crystal Palace. Roy Hodgson. Roy. Going back to Android. People's full of joy. That's the one in a recreational way. I would say the response to steel. Smash and grab. One no win for Palace. I think some people have been underwhelmed. Go to Some Chelsea. Have loved it. I think it is on the Thursday night. They get up. And City are rolling. I think now. a lot of people oh, are comfortable with it. They've jumped on it. Two nil. They've got their tails up slightly yeah. from Palace beating Liverpool. Yeah, De Bruyne um, and and it's taking them off. Yeah, exactly. Adjust, two nil. Easy peasy. Yeah. The lead's down to what are we down to at that point? Fourteen points. The lead is suddenly whittled all the way down to When we come back, Novak Djokovic is coming to the next league game. Nicholas, not sure. City. Chris is on. The lead's down to. I will have some, please. That's fine, Nicholas. I mean, I'm just final day of the season. Prospect that Liverpool. They haven't done it. Liverpool just need a point. On the bounce, Liverpool do do blow it. I'll tell you what. Yeah, I'll give you this now. Game, I thought Everton were I'll decent. tell you, Liverpool Everton can blow it from this position. And that's actually, United you know, again, probably anyone thinking that Liverpool would just sweep Everton aside, probably underestimating the work that Carlo Ancelotti has done at Everton because he has. 
She has it is yeah. bizarre just for the sheer yeah. joy it's and that you have just summed Marshall up you have well. just embodied yes. every <laughs> every worst How trait of a football fan because you've gone for seeing your opponents your rivals fail over seeing your own team succeed in that final 15 minutes that's you've gone for I'm giving you United winning it next season oh my god I'm flabbergasted probably a fair result from a broadcaster standpoint and a reminder of Burnley were to lose the Etihad and win tonight Liverpool would I can't the believe we're even talking about this. We're the only radio show <laughs> talking about Liverpool blowing the league. I said, what, if they really do, we can say we were the first to talk about it. I'll tell you, that's why we've just wasted five minutes doing just that. Interestingly enough as well, and when we talk about, oh, who needs sport? Who, you know, Why are you guys talking about sport during these times? Sky Sports, their biggest ever audience for that Merseyside derby in the UK last night. Is that a repost to the critics, A little, Chris? yeah, a little, because, uh, you know... Sport is what it is. It's a form of escapism. It's, you know, yes, I know there are far more important things in this world, but it is just a way of just putting your problems and your worries to one side for an hour and a half. And a lot of people in the UK, 5.5 million viewers last night in the UK. It's going so. I'd say it's been a mixed response from, from sports fans that I know and from people that enjoy their sport in a more recreational way. I would say the response to football coming back has been mixed. I think some people have been underwhelmed. Some people have loved it. There's been a mixture of both. It's not been unanimously. I think a lot of people were starved of it and they've jumped on it. Football fans, of course, are all over it. But, yeah, it's, um, it's taken a while for people to adjust, I think. Not me. I'm loving it is what I am, which is probably why you can, uh, you can probably hear it in my voice. Right, when we come back, Novak Djokovic is coming under the microscope. Nicholas, not sure <laughs> what Chris is on, but uh, I will have some, please. Uh, that, that's fine, Nicholas. I, I mean, I'm just getting a little giddy at the prospect that Liverpool, they haven't done it often this season, have dropped some points. Here's a question for you. Yes. If Liverpool do, do blow it from this Imagine. position. Right, I'll tell you what, I'll give you this now. I'll tell you, Liverpool can blow it from this position right. or United can win the league next season. What are you taking? Oh, 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 oh. oh my God, you're taking Liverpool, aren't you? Just for the sheer... Yeah. Just for the sheer you know joy. Of, and that you have just summed up. You have just embodied every, <laughs> every worst How trait of a football fan. Because be? you've gone for seeing your opponents, your rivals fail over seeing your own team succeed. Next season, That's what though. you've gone for. Yeah, we can win. I'm giving you United winning it next season. We'll oh my God, I'm flabbergasted. Season. We'll win the Champions League next season. But Chris just, is just from a an... broadcaster standpoint, Rob, forget Leicester winning the league. If Liverpool were to blow it now. <laughs> I can't believe we're even talking about this. We're the only radio show <laughs> talking about Liverpool blowing the league. Uh, I tell you what, if they really do, we can say we were the first to talk I'll about it. I'll tell you, that's why we've just wasted five minutes doing just that. But uh, let's get on to a, a, a story. I, I think I, I think this is actually the biggest story in sports it right is. now. It is, I agree. And uh, we await to hear the thoughts of the man who brought this all together. And that man is world number one, Novak Djokovic, because it's fair to say that the Adria tour ended in farce on the weekend. And unfortunately, it ended in a couple of players, notably Grigor Dimitrov and Borna Choric, announcing that they had tested positive for coronavirus. Now, I believe our next guest broke the news that Grigor Dimitrov yeah. had uh, tested positive. In fact, she's actually been in, in touch with quite a few of the players who took part in the event um, that took place in, Cro in Croatia on the weekend. And apparently Djokovic flew the scene uh, or fled the scene without, uh, without subjecting himself to a coronavirus test. 
So it's going to be very interesting to hear what Reem Abelale um, thinks of the situation. Yeah, she's written a column in The National uh, on this and she's going to be with us momentarily. But for those of you perhaps new to this story, we've seen a number of players, if anyone that follows these guys on social media will know that the likes of Dominic Team, Alexander Zverev, they've all been over in Belgrade. I saw them in a nightclub partying as if yeah. there was not a I care. Mean, there have been fans packed into stadiums. Djokovic has been doing interviews without without masks in close proximity to reporters. They've not acknowledged no. the pandemic at all. Let's bring Reem Abelale, top tennis correspondent, into the conversation. I suspect this is one of these rare days where Reem and I are not going to argue because we're probably going to be on the same page with this. We're probably going to be admonishing Novak Djokovic. Reem, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Very well, Reem. We're, we're, we're surviving is what we are. We're just delighted that we have sport to talk about again, in all honesty. And I know you have been down in Abu Dhabi. You've been down there with the family. You're safe, all well with the family? Yes, we're all good. And you, I guess, are just delighted that you've got tennis. Obviously not the tennis you want to be talking about, but equally, uh, Robbie said it a few moments ago, you were on social media last night, Gregor Dimitrov uh, tested positive for COVID-19. You were on it, you were getting retweets, it was flying last night. Give us your take on it, Reem, because today Robbie has been reading everything out there uh, that there is out there. A lot of criticism for Novak Djokovic. Where do you sit on this one? I think everyone kind of um, is siding with common sense at the moment, yeah. which is something I feel that Novak Djokovic has not really done. Uh, I think the Adrians who were from the very start, from the first second we saw that there was a kid's day, that they were playing football, they were playing basketball. They, I mean, there there was zero social distancing. There was no mask anywhere. All of the stuff that you guys said. And already there was a lot of backlash just from the images coming out. Even if we're talking from a purely optics perspective that was bad optics because they're sending out and flaunting that kind of lifestyle out to the world when there are so many places in the world that are still very much struggling with covid there are people that aren't aren't able to travel to see their families there are people who have um family members in the hospital and then they're just flaunting this as if i honestly when i saw the images to this in the beginning i was like i feel that they live in a different planet Mm -hmm. um so from the start that was already really bad, but then as soon as the news broke that uh, Grigor Dimitrov uh, tested positive, and then today Borna George as well, and, and apparently Grigor's coach and Novak's physio. So there are four positive tests from the Adria tour. Um, and it, it's just so problematic in so many ways, and complete disregard to to the health of everyone, because their, their claim is, oh, we followed the rules. Even if the government is lax, how about some common sense? Yeah. yeah. Not because you can do something, it means you should do it. And I think that was, that was, that's the message we got out of that. And, and we, as we can see from the apologies from all of the players and, and even Sasha Zverev and Marin Cilic who tested negative, they said we're going to self-isolate and they apologize. Um, I think now they realize, but it, it shouldn't have taken all that for them to realize that this was a bad idea. Tellingly, Reem, nothing from Novak in terms of an official statement or anything. And if we cast our mind back to his behaviour, the comments that he's made since this pandemic broke, he, he made headlines 
for being, quote unquote, an anti-vaxxer, someone who did not believe in vaccination. That was a personal mm-hmm. belief. But of course, he was criticised because he has such influence and because it was just as the pandemic was breaking out. He then uh, recently remarked that the US Open's protocols and the measures that they were taking and putting into place were extreme. And mm-hmm. he's appeared in a variety of chats with people like Wim Hof. And I know he's got a couple of gurus that he, he kind of goes to from a sort of... Uh, you know, gu- guys that subscribe to the idea that your 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 pharmacy is in your body, and you know, to, to each their own. I mean, I'm, what, he's entitled to believe whatever he wants to believe, but the 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 accusation levelled against him is that it's quite dangerous during a time like this to project such a a medically irresponsible kind of. Uh, take on all of this and uh, mm-hmm. when you know when he has such an enormous following I'm curious as to what you think he will do now because Novak is someone who's very acutely aware of his standing and his, his popularity and it's important to him he wants to be as Nick Kyrgios keeps reminding us he wants to be popular what's he going to do now because this is the first time I can recall that he's really been under fire yeah I, I actually think that Novak has this defiant air to him it, and I think right now he's in this defiance mode where he I don't think he's going to cave and I don't think he's really going to come out with a statement to apologize. I would love to be proven wrong. But it, since the start of uh, the coronavirus, we can see that all the things that you just mentioned, him sending out these messages on his huge platform when nothing is medically proven or scientifically proven. And he has not backed down, even when he was asked about it. He ha- He's not backing down. So I have a feeling that this is the defiant Novak uh, in action at the moment. So I'm not really expecting him. I mean, what happened last night was crazy to me because we saw pictures of all the players, including Novak's brother, uh, waiting to get tested last night in Croatia when he refused to get tested before leaving Croatia and flew back to Serbia. And reportedly, only today in Serbia did he get tested. So why? Why are you going home to get tested? Why are you flying when, when, when already you know your physio uh, has tested positive or not even if it was before they got the results of his physio you already know Grigor is positive so I, I I don't understand why he's choosing to really stick to his guns this way but I'm not really expecting an apology to be honest yeah it is irresponsible more than anything else is what it is Reem in terms of the effect and the knock-on effect this now has for the rest of the season of course the US Open and you have written a piece in the National your new column I say new column it was new a few weeks back you've been doing it now for (laughs) a number of weeks real good thought-provoking as well because the US Open have worked diligently to try and put in place protocols to ensure the safety of its players end of August through September we've got the French Open the back end of September through October I mean what effect if any does this have on those two majors later this year I think if we look at the Adria tour where they only gathered a small number of players they were about eight players per tournament and they were also in countries that supposedly are past the coronavirus according to them and we already saw that we already got four positive tests at least or three positive tests at least. Imagine going to New York, it's the epicenter kind of, of the virus in the States, yeah. and bringing together more than 600 people. We're talking the players and their entourages, etc. I cannot imagine 
how the U.S. Open can pull this off, even with all the precautions. I think the key thing is is that the U.S. Open's plan hinges on the fact that players are going to be responsible. They're not going to have guards at the hotel preventing them from going out. They're not going to have guards at the private homes that they're allowing players to rent in Queens. And these guards are not going to stop. They're not going to have guards to stop players from leaving their homes. So we've seen what happens when players are left to their own devices. I have to say, a lot of players have shown have have proven to be a bit misguided during this period. I really hope that the the positive tests we've seen are a, are a cautionary tale. I really hope that people learn from it. But from what I'm seeing so far, if you're depending on the players and their entourages. I mean, I've been I've been to the US Open. I've been at three in the morning after a late match, trying to go find food and finding players in bars, having a drink, uh, meeting up with people, doing. I know how players act when they go to the US Open. To 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 imagine that they're expected for four weeks at least because they're going to play Cincinnati and then the US Open all in the same venue, and they have to arrive at least a week early. So we're talking four weeks where they are under very strict rules. I can't imagine them abiding by that. Not to mention the testing part. The complete safe and testing is it, the, the logic of the US Open. If you arrive, we test you, you're going to be fine. We've seen that with the PGA Tour, that ha- that's not what happened. Because a person tested negative upon arrival on a Tuesday, then a couple of days later tested positive. Mm. So... The science is still fuzzy on the testing and, and the reliability of the testing, plus with the number of people they want to they want to basically isolate six hundred people for at least two to three weeks and even it could be four weeks. I don't know how this is gonna happen to mm. one. I mean and, and Reem, Djokovic and Nadal have both been skeptical. It's it struck me as weird that the two of them with the legacy defining potential that this pandemic has brought on their Grand Slam totals. Now, I know that both of them have gone on record to say that that's not really the be-all and end-all, that the number at the end of the day doesn't doesn't count for as much as a lot of the media are making out that it does. But you'd think that they would do anything to, to try and make it happen that certainly Nadal Djokovic, where they've had so much success at Flushing Meadow, it's, it's another precious chance to win a Grand Slam title and get a little closer to 20, isn't it? I think either they both go or they both don't go. I don't, I don't see a scenario where one of them goes and the other doesn't. Because we already know Roger is not going yeah. because he had surgery. But with Novak, first of all, Rafa is the defending champion. And Rafa is actually defending two slams back-to-back now because he's U.S. Open champion and French Open champion. And as well, he's won on clay and the clay season is supposed to be played in September. So Nadal has about 5,400 points to defend in like a four-week period, or so, which is yeah. not, like, it's not even logical. It doesn't make any sense. But, and the, I must say that the schedule released by the Tours is very amb- ambitious. Players who haven't played in six months, how do they expect them to go and play about two best-of-five slams as well as two Masters 1000s? Three Masters 1000s, if you can Cincinnati as well, all all in a period of five, six weeks, I feel is not feasible at all. Uh, in terms of the Grand Slam tallies, I think it's not up, uh, on top of their mind at the moment. I think with Rafa, a lot of his rhetoric has been around the fact that what he really misses is being around family, what he really misses about is the normal life. He's not talking much about tennis. I feel that it's not, uh, he's repeatedly said it's not um, on top of his mind at the moment which is perhaps not what Novak has done because 
Novak has actually played tennis while he was in quarantine in Marbella and obviously had the Adria tour. But I think that if one of them decides to go, the other will go. Yeah, I kind of tend to agree with that as well, Reem. Listen, bless you, Reem. I know it's getting late on this Monday evening. I did mention, I did reference that column there. You go into a lot more detail pertaining to the US Open. What maybe, just maybe, the Gregor Dimitrov, uh, Dimitrov positive COVID-19 test may mean for that. Best place to get that, just the national.ae, correct? Yeah. Absolutely. And in terms of the other work that you're doing just now, it's a bit for you. You're used to jet set lifestyle. You're just looking forward to getting back on the road. Actually, all things considered, I'm not really looking forward because <laughs> I can only imagine how much of a nightmare it's going to be yeah. going anywhere. Yeah. Unless the tournaments are actually not going to have a media on site. The, the US Open, the ATP and the WTA are, are not allowing media on site. I think uh, maybe Roland Garros, is going to let us go, so that might be my next stop, end of September. But for now, I'm happy to stay put. I'm writing uh, for the National. I also have my Patreon page, patreon.com slash for any extra content, lots of audio and video and stuff like that. And yeah, I'm happy to work from home at the moment. Well, Reem, you're still smiling as well. I can hear that. Bless you, Reem. It's always a pleasure catching up. I always feel that we're a little bit more enlightened when it comes to all things tennis when we've had you on the line. Reem, bless you. Thank you so much. Stay in touch. And uh, fingers crossed, we do uh, see some proper tennis and in a safe environment in the not-too-distant future. Thanks, Reem. Cheers, Reem. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. The voice of Reem Abelail. We say it time and time again, one of the top, top tennis correspondents anywhere on the planet. Great to hear her thoughts on all of that. And she makes a lot of sense in all of that. Oh, Interesting, yeah. her, her view there that if Rafa goes, Novak goes. If Rafa doesn't go, maybe Novak thinks, OK, I won't go either. Potentially. Yeah, and I, I thought it was very interesting that she said that Novak is not going to apologise, doesn't expect an apology. I would slightly tend to maybe err towards the, the possibility that he might be pressured into Cajoled. saying something. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Because it's gotten front. to the point where it's become a bit of a, a, a PR disaster for him. And right he, needs to, he needs to put out some fires. But let's see. Very interesting to see how it plays yeah, out. You and me both. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.